Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today, and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Well, I am excited about what God's put in my heart today to share with you, and uh, so ready to dig into the Word today, and uh, I, I just want to say thank you to those of you who have been praying for um, for Susan. Um, she is, just, just to give you a quick update, if you, if you don't know, last Sunday, uh, she didn't come. She was really feeling rough and could barely walk. And so I got home uh, last Sunday afternoon after church, and we loaded up and went to Lubbock, and they admitted her to the hospital for uh, a few days there. And, and uh, I, I don't want to make a long story out of this, but she had a stint that had been uh, put in back in April, um, in Seattle, and uh, they had to, it was supposed to have been removed in three months, and uh, we were having trouble getting someone to remove it, and so that was still there. We got that taken care of, praise God, and uh, uh, she is on the road to recovery. She had some other issues that, that were going on there, but anyway, uh, she is on the road to recovery, and we are so grateful for our church family that uh, are uh, praying for us and, and taking care of us and, and uh, uh, praise God, we we just love you all so much. And so we're going to get into the Word today, and uh, I, I'm going to talk about faith. And uh, you know, I, I I speak more and more. The the Lord spoke to me several years ago, and uh, he said, you're going to begin to see the uh, prophetic anointing on your life increase. And uh, so I, I've noticed that to be true, you know, that more and more God, God has given me things to speak to you that are prophetic in nature. Well, today is not one of those days. Okay, today I'm going to go back to my roots of, uh, you know, first and foremost, I'm a teacher, and uh, a, a pastor and a teacher, so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to just open up the Word and teach, praise God. Anybody ready for some teaching? You ready to learn? Praise God, praise God. We're going to talk about faith, which is also in my root system, praise God, and so... Um, you know, I began to realize several years ago that um, many things that that I had learned along the way in the in the way of of faith. There was a statement that was that I heard a, a, an awful lot as I was coming up. It said the, the statement was, "Faith moves God. Faith moves God." Now, um, as I began to um, you know, over the years to, to study and to learn and to, to, to grow in these things, I began to realize that that's not entirely a true statement. And, and I will show you what I mean today um, by that statement that, you know, do, and we're just asking the question today, does faith move God? Um, and so, um, in Revelation chapter 13, 
verse number eight. Let me share this, this passage with you. It says, all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So in the mind of God, when was Jesus slain? From the foundation of the world. Now, how many of you had faith from the foundation of the world? None of us. None of us were here. None, none of us were here. So our faith did not move God to slay Jesus from the foundation of the world because we weren't here. All right? Let's look at another passage. Acts chapter 2, verse number 22. It says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, the man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him, in your midst. And as you, you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined count, uh, purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. Now, notice what he says here. Jesus, he says, him, Jesus, was delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. Now, did that happen as a result of your faith? Once again, no. God moved and did something that had nothing to do with your faith. Now, believe me, I'm not preaching against faith here. In fact, you know, if you, if you know me, you know better than that. You know I'm not preaching against faith. Uh, but I want you to, to uh, there, there's really a place I'm going with this. So you need to follow. You need to hang with me. Stay with this. Uh, praise God. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, God is talking there about what he is going to do about the situation that arose concerning Adam and Eve falling in the garden, Adam's fall in the garden, and what God is, how He is going to respond to that, what He's going to do about that. Once again, God's response was for your benefit and my benefit, but was it because of our faith? Once again, none of us were there. It was not because of our faith. See, why did God do these things? Why did he slay Jesus from in, in his mind from the foundation of the world? Why did God put, hang Jesus on a cross? Why did God respond in this way? Not because of our faith, but because of who he is. We've got to understand that. We've got to grasp that. God, there's a whole lot of things that God has done because of who he is. And many times we have faith. Now, I'm not saying you should not have faith. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please him. So, therefore, we need, we need to have faith. We need to operate in faith. We need to live by faith. The just... Who's the just? Everybody should have shouted me. Who's the just? Me. All right. The just shall live by faith. But see, here's the issue. 
that our faith many times has been misplaced. We, we have faith in the wrong thing sometimes. Now, hang with me. We're going somewhere. Romans chapter 5, verse number 8. says, but God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were still sinners. Did you have faith while you were still a sinner? The only faith you could have while you're still a sinner is faith to accept Jesus. Faith that Jesus paid for you. And whenever that faith came to you, let, let me say this. Romans chapter 10, verse number 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Better translation uh, instead of the word of God, the, the word God there is, is the word Christos, which is Christ. So it would be better translated, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And so when you heard the word of Christ, when you heard it in your Spirit, what happened? God opened your spiritual ears. You were spiritually dead, but God opened your spiritual ears, and your spiritual ears heard about Jesus, heard that Jesus came into this world. He paid a price. He went to the cross, paid for your sins, and that he rose again from the dead, and you heard that, and by the, the hearing of that, faith came into your heart to receive Jesus as your Savior, to receive the gift of salvation that he had made available to you. Other than that, up until that point, there was no capacity for faith Except that, by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So what happened is that when you heard, with the hearing came the gift of faith to believe it. And when you believed it, you accepted Jesus as your Savior. Praise God. It was not because of anything you had done. Even the faith is the gift of God, is what we just quoted. Even the faith is the gift of God. That's what Scripture says. By grace you are saved through faith, and that, the faith, is not of yourself. It's the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. So, let's see what happened here. Is that God gave you that faith. But here in, in uh, uh, the, the passages that we just read, God was operating and doing something that was independent of your faith. Had nothing to do with your faith. Now, in order for you to receive the benefit of what God did, this is where faith comes in. This is why I said your faith, many times our faith has been misplaced. The faith that God is calling for us to have, it's his gift if you'll accept it, you'll receive it, if you'll choose to operate in that faith. But the, the faith that he wants you to have is the faith in what he has done. Because God is not going to send Jesus to this earth again to die on a cross again, to pay for your sins again. It's already been done. It will never happen again. It happened long before you were ever a twinkle in your daddy's eye. Long time ago. It happened, God did it, and he did it independent of you. He did it for you, but independent of you. And so what we need to do is believe what he did. You see, many times we're trying to get God to do something by faith. 
God's saying, believe what I already did. See, we're, we're wanting God to heal our bodies. He's not going to. Oh, pastor, you don't believe in healing? Oh, I believe in healing. I believe that I am healed. I believe that 2,000 years ago, Jesus bore my sickness, my disease, and my pain in his body. And 2,000 years ago, my healing took place right there at the cross. I don't need him to send Jesus to heal me. Oh, if Jesus were just here. Jesus has been here, and he went back to heaven, and he left a gift of healing in the earth for you and I. Praise God. Praise God. Now, look at this. God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, when we didn't have any faith, Christ died for us. So what do I have to do? The apostle Paul wrote to the Romans. He said, Romans chapter 10, he says, don't say Who's going to ascend into heaven to bring Christ down from above? He already came down from above. Who's going to descend into the abyss to bring Christ up from the dead? He already rose from the dead. So that, that, there's no need for that. It's already been done. So here's the deal. While we were still sinners, Christ died for me. He died for you. He demonstrated his love towards us. See, that's about who he is, not about how much faith I have. But to activate that in my life, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, Romans 10, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, my faith should be my response to what God did, not my effort to get God to do something. Not my effort to get God to move. My faith is my response to what he already has done for me. Praise God. And when you understand what he has done for you, you will understand that there's no need for him to do anything else. Because he already did it all. In fact, the Lord gave me this phrase one time. He said that, that uh, if God wanted to do it, he did it. Did, did you catch what I just said? If God wanted to do it, he did it. In other words, he's already done what he wanted to do. If God wanted to do it, he did it. And if he did it, he did it in Christ. Because in Christ is how God has done everything. In Christ, he has provided for you everything you will ever have need of. He did it in Christ. So we're not looking for God to do something. Misplaced faith says, I need God to do something. And if I can develop enough faith, I can get him to do something. No, no, he already did it before you were born. And he did it in Christ. Now my faith says, I believe that. I respond to that. Praise God. That's what our faith is for. And without faith, yeah, it's impossible to please him. Why? Because you've got to believe what he did. In order to act, he is pleased. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's what he said. The Father loves to give you all things that pertain to life and godliness. He loves to put that into your life. And so what he did was he provided for in Christ for every good and perfect gift which comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He won't ever change his mind. He won't mess with your mind about it. He won't tease you with it. He has done it in 
Christ, it came down from above in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was provided for you, for you in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you believe upon him, because that's where everything was done. You believe in what he did. Praise God. Now, Romans chapter 5, verse number 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled. Now, notice the past tense here of what he's saying. When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been, once again, still past tense, once again, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We have been reconciled to God. That means that God in Christ removed all the barriers. Now you can come freely and boldly into the presence of God because he has in Christ removed the barriers. Praise God. This is why he says, come boldly before the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace, his favor to help in time of need. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 4 says, Just as he chose him, past tense, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Praise God. Now, How many remember when Jesus was on the cross and three, probably the most, the three most important words that Jesus uttered on the cross, it is finished. It is finished. In other words, he had completed what the Father had sent him to do. It is is finished. Praise God. He's never coming back to heal you. He's never coming back to provide for you. He's never coming. Now, he'll come back to receive you to himself, that where I am there you may be also. You know, we know that. But that's, that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about that he's not going to come back to do things for you that he has already done. And many people... They think they're in faith, but in reality, they're trying to get God to do something that he's already done. Did you realize that your praying is in vain if you're trying to talk God into doing something he already did? What does he want you to believe? He wants you to believe that he did it. He wants to want you to believe that it's yours. Praise God. Why? Because believing is how we receive. You don't receive from God by doing some action. You receive what he has done by believing in his action. Do you get that? Let me say that again because that, that was better than I thought it was. <laughs> Praise God. You see, you don't receive from God by doing some action. You receive from God by believing in his action. Praise God. Praise God. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he made, past tense, him who knew no sin. I'm not going to stop and say that every time, but as I read these verses, I want you to, to I want I want the, you to pick up on the tense of what we're talking about here. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Second Peter chapter two verse twenty four. He who himself bore our sins 
in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 1, verse number 6. To the praise of his glory by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 13 says, For uh, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now, notice that one right there is present tense, not past, but all the rest of those that I read were past tense. Present tense, we have redemption. Praise God. Now, what, what are these things here that, that we just read? He became sin for us. He bore our sickness. He became poor so we could become rich. He has blessed us. He has made us accepted. He has qualified you to be a partaker. And now you have the redemption. Praise God. So, with all these things in the past tense, why would you be trying to talk God into doing any of these things that he already did? Praise God. Why would you be trying to talk him into giving, him, giving you something that you already have? Praise God. See what I'm saying about misplaced faith? We're placing our faith in God's willingness to do something for us instead of placing our faith in the fact that he already did it for us. Praise God. Now, I want to jump ahead. I've got a, a, another passage of Scripture. Go ahead and read on your own. I quoted from it today, but Romans chapter 10 uh, verse 6 through 11. Just, just read that on your own. Um, let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. And I, I want you to get something here. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 3. It says, For we who have believed do enter that rest. As he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished, when? From the foundation of the world. The works were finished, works were finished from the foundation of the world. You see, in the mind of God, the works were finished. You see, here's how God does things. God purposes what he wants to do. And as soon as he purposes what he wants to do, in his mind it's done. He said the works were finished from the foundation of the world, even though Jesus had not done the works yet. He hadn't been to the cross yet. But in the mind of God, as soon as he purposes, that's how sure it is that God's going to accomplish what he says. 
He, there, is, there is no question whatsoever if God purposed it, it's finished. It's done. The works were finished from the foundation of the world. So why are we still trying to get him to finish his works? His works were finished from the foundation of the world. Now, Hebrews chapter 4, let's start with verse number 1. It says, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So they did not believe what he was saying. All right. Now, let's go on. Verse 3. For we who have believed do enter that rest. Who enters the rest? We who have believed enter the rest. We who believed have entered the rest. Now, we need to read on a little bit further. As he said, so I swore in my, my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Now, he says, I swore in my wrath. That means God is angry about something. What's he angry about? He is angry about the fact that they didn't believe. Now, he says, they shall not enter my rest. If you don't believe, you're not going to enter the rest. There, there is a place of rest. God finished the work. Jesus went to the cross. He finished the work. He ascended back to the Father, and he sat down. Not because he was tired. He sat down because he was finished. Praise God. And he is there at rest in what he has done. Therefore, he wants us to be at rest in what he has done. Praise God. Now, let's, let's go on here a little bit. Verse 4. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. Now, the seventh day is, remember, when God created the heavens and the earth, and the seventh day he rested because he had finished. There was no more. God, God didn't do any more creating after that. Seventh day, he rested. Praise God, because he was finished. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Now, maybe underline or highlight that word disobedience right there, because we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time, as it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not have afterwards have spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God, for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. 
See, God finished his works and he rested. And in the same way, we know he has finished his works, so we rest from ours. Praise God. Now he says in verse number 11, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest lest anyone fall by the same example of disobedience. Now, there's the word disobedience again. I had you uh, highlighted in verse number 6. Now again in verse number uh, 11, we see the word disobedience. Now this word in the New King James Version is mistranslated. Um, now I typically like the New King James Version, but in this particular instance, I don't like the New King James Version. I like the Old King James Version better because it more accurately translates it. Instead of disobedience, it more accurately translates it as unbelief. Now, let, let, let's look at this again. Uh, verse number 6, Therefore there uh, remains that some must enter it, and those who, to whom it was first preached did not enter because of unbelief. Verse number 11, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of unbelief. Now, if you read the word disobedience there, and you're not a student of the word of God, so you don't know that it's mistranslated, you'll see disobedience there, and you think that the reason you don't enter into the rest of God is because you've been disobeying God. Because you've been doing some things that are, that, you know, uh, that, that you shouldn't be doing, you're breaking the Ten Commandments or something like that, and that's why you're not entering into the rest of God. And that's why many Christians are messed up because they're, they're thinking that the reason they can't receive from God is because they've been doing something wrong. But here's the fact. They have been believing something wrong wrong. It's not that they've been doing something wrong. It's that they have been believing something wrong. You see, when people come into the presence of the Lord and they begin to, they, they, they come to receive something that they have need of and they, they begin to think that the devil starts playing with their mind and saying, how can you think that you could receive that when remember what you did yesterday? Remember what you did last week? Remember you yelled at your wife? Remember, you know, you sulked for two days because of something your husband did? And you treated him terrible because of something he did and you didn't even tell him what it was he did? You know, and, and, and so the devil's playing with your mind saying it's because of what you did. Remember, you got really in the flesh when that person cut you off in traffic? You showed them one of your fingers? Remember that? How can you expect to receive anything from God? How do you think you're going to get healed? How do you think you're going to get your needs met when you do stuff like that? Disobedience. They cannot enter into his rest because of disobedience. When what it really says is they cannot enter his rest because of unbelief. Not because of what they did yesterday. It's because of what they believe right now. And what they believe right now is they can't receive anything from God because of what they did. You see the cycle here? You see how this is all messed up because of a bad translation of one word? It's because of what you believe. Change what you believe. Praise God. Believe that God already provided it all, and it wasn't because of what you did. It was because of who he is. 
Praise God. Praise God. Not being mixed with faith, verse 2. Verse 3, we who have believed enter the rest. Now you, you can read this all in the context and you'll see that what I'm talking about, you know, unbelief works there. Disobedience doesn't necessarily work. But unbelief works there in the context of what is being said. And the word, if you look up the word in a, in, in a Greek-English dictionary, and you look up that word in a, in a lexicon, you'll find that it could easily be translated as unbelief, just as well as it could be translated as disobedience. Now, Strong's definition of that word is the Greek word, Apatheia, it's where we get our word apathy. Apatheia means disbelief, obstinate and rebellious. It could mean disobedience or unbelief. Now, here's another word that that word comes from. You know, sometimes one word comes from another word. The word that it comes from means this, unpersuadable. Unpersuadable. You refuse to be persuaded. Bless God, I'm not believing anything different. I believed this for 40 years, and this is what I'm going to believe. And you're unpersuadable. Now, John chapter 16, Jesus speaking in the Holy Spirit. He says this in verse 7 through 9. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart... I will send him to you, and when he has come, he will convict. Better translation of that word is convince. He will convince the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, notice this, because they do not what? Believe. Oh, the Holy Spirit's just been convicting me of what I did. No, he's come to convince you of, of unbelief. He'll show you where you've been believing wrong. What did he call unbelief? Sin. Hmm. Most sin, most, let, let me rephrase that, most acts of sin are really rooted in not believing God. What did Eve believe? She believed that the reason God didn't want them to eat of that tree was because God was holding something back from them. So it was rooted in unbelief. She believed that if I just eat this, I'll be like God. But she didn't believe when God said that they were created in his image and likeness. She didn't believe they were already made like God. Unbelief. Well, I've got to do this because this is the way I can be accepted. You're not believing that he has made you accepted in the beloved. Well, I have to do this because I just have to have my needs met. I have bills to pay, so I have to do 
this, but you're not believing that your God will supply your needs, has supplied your needs. Well, you see, I just have to do, you see what I'm saying? Got to do, 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 do. But it's because you don't believe what God has provided for you in Christ. That's why you do the acts of sin. Now, he says, Holy Spirit, when he has come, he will convince you of sin, the sin of unbelief. See, he's not the one that's reminding you of what you did yesterday. That's your devil that's reminding you. that He's the accuser of the brethren. He's accusing you based on what you did yesterday. Holy Spirit has come to convince you. And he says he will convince you, unbelievers of sin, those who don't believe. And he says he will convince you of righteousness. He'll convince you that you are the right standing of God. He says of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, without going into a, a long explanation of that, I'll just say this, that your sin was judged on the person of Jesus. And that was counted to you, so in other words, you've already been judged on the body of Jesus. Praise God. And Holy Spirit has come to convince you where there's unbelief. He's come to convince you that you are righteous. Even when you don't think you're righteous, if you have accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you have been declared righteous. Holy Spirit's come to convince you of that. It's easy to convince a self-righteous person that they're righteous. Holy Spirit's come to convince you of that when you don't feel like you're righteous. Convince you that you're righteous and that your wrongdoings, all of your wrong deeds have already been judged on the person of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. So does faith move God? God do any of this in response to your faith? God did all this because of who he is. Praise God. Did it all because of who he is. So your faith didn't move God to do this. God did it before you could even have faith. Now, what he wants you to do is respond with your faith. Praise God. Now, if you're listening to this today, you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Jesus already paid for all of your sins. And there is a rest in the salvation that he has provided for you. There is a place of rest in God that you never have to worry about all the things that you've done. Because it was taken care of by the Lord Jesus. Now, he wants you to believe him. He wants you to believe. He simply wants you to believe what he's done. He simply wants you to believe that your sins have been paid for. And because they have been paid for, he's calling upon you to respond to that and accept what he's done. How do you accept what he's done? With a verbal commitment to it. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. 
you will be saved. Praise God. You see, it is a faith response. No amount of faith will get God to save you because he already did. And now he's saying, I want you to respond to what I did. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now to respond to what God has done. Whether you're sitting in this room or whether you're watching me online, say this after me. If you pray this prayer and you believe it, you will be saved. If you don't believe it, nothing will happen. But if you believe it, you will be saved. Let's say this together. Say, God in heaven, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, to pay for all of my sins. And after he had paid for my sins, you raised him from the dead so I could have a new life. Today, I acknowledge, I believe what you did. I believe it was for me, and I accept it. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. and We've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love 